everybody. This is Stephanie Krupsack with the Piermont Living Podcast, Women in Wellness. So today I have Paige Pitchler, writer and speaker featured in Yoga Journal, National Ambassador of Project Heal, and Yoga Instructor. So thanks so much for coming today. Yeah, I'm super excited. I can't wait to dive into it. Definitely. Um, yeah, so maybe we should talk about how we met. So we've been friends um, mm-hmm. almost a year now. So yeah. earlier this year we met mm-hmm. for coffee, so mm-hmm. through a mutual friend. Yeah, it's funny because I, you had gotten or gone on a walk with one of my friends in my corporate job and, and she just was telling me about like this girl that she met and all the travels she had done and I was like, oh, she sounds kind of like me. Maybe I'll reach out and I just sent an email in ch- classic me fashion, just <laughs> not really afraid to say hi. So yeah, and then we just really hit it off. We have a lot in common mm-hmm. and yeah, it was really nice to meet somebody so like-minded. Definitely. Yeah, and actually... We have yoga in common, so mm-hmm. I'm in process of completing my yoga instructor training, which you did earlier this year. The same so program. Your yeah. Empower Yoga it's, in Milwaukee. It's a mm-hmm. wonderful program. Just a wonderful studio. And, you know, I always tell people yoga teacher training is like six months of therapy. So mm-hmm. I definitely agree. I'm loving it so far. I'm in, uh, well, it's a week or weekend three we right. have. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. It's been really great. It'll be so fun when you're trained. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to do classes together, yeah, workshops definitely. maybe. So oh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that after, <laughs> not to bore everybody with that. But um, yeah, so tell us a little bit more about Project Heal. Yeah, so Project Heal, I Project Heal is a national organization, and it's the largest mm-hmm. national nonprofit for eating disorders. And not only do we fund um, the nonprofit, obviously, but we fund for funneling treatment into or people into treatment facilities. So the goal of every dollar that we raise is keeping people in treatment centers who are struggling with eating disorders. Because one of the biggest stats that we like to tell people the most is that one month of outpatient eating disorder treatment or inpatient rather is $30,000. And people don't realize how much wow. money this is and how hard it is for people you know, to live and to somehow survive this illness. So every dollar that we raise goes to helping bridge the gap between you know, the insurance companies and how much money they can get, but also staying for as long as they need and for healing as much as they can. So we do that. And we also have communities of healing, which is we offer like mentorship for people who are still in their recovery process from any kind of eating disorder. And this goes for all genders, races, like it just transcends everything. And there's so many people who need help. So the amount of money that we raise really makes a difference in the people who die from this disease because it is the number one mental illness the number one mortality rate amongst mental mental illness so it's just a really cool thing to be a part of and project heal milwaukee i had reached out to the national headquarters which is in new york and i just asked if i wanted if they wanted me to come to an event if there was something in milwaukee that i could you know attend and they asked me to start the chapter and kind of start something here so And I jumped at the chance. It's always something I've wanted to do after my own struggle with an eating disorder. And being able to give back has been one of like the most rewarding things I've ever done. So on the ground in Milwaukee, we fundraise. We try to make a community for people who are struggling, um, especially because there's just not that much in way of resources around here. And we're trying to make that community and make sure that people, you know, know that we exist and we're here to help. And that, you know, if you need treatment, we can we can make that happen, hopefully. So, again, it's just about offering people different options and helping them know that they're not alone. That's really great. Um, and I know that your personal experience is kind of how you got involved with this organization. 
and it's great to see you're taking your experiences and bringing it to Milwaukee. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, it's such an honor to help because I get it. And I know how hard it can be, especially when you feel so alone. So Mm -hmm. the fact that we have a presence here and that we can reach more people and help more people with this funding and with the communities of healing, it, it just means the world to me that I'm able to help in any way that I can. That's really great. Yeah, and you'll have to share information after, too, yeah, of how definitely. others can get involved and mm-hmm. learn more about Project Heal. Do you have any upcoming events with Project yeah, Heal Yeah, right we have now? a few, actually. Um, I'm planning a panel event for January. We'll probably have it downtown somewhere. Okay. And we're just going to talk about eating disorders, general awareness, and mm-hmm. how you can help and what they, you know, what they are sometimes, which is kind of a just a way of moving forward um, with unprocessed trauma. So sometimes, you know, unprocessed trauma, old patterns, there's just so many reasons that eating disorders can um, manifest in your life. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what we'll be talking about. I have a, a panel of awesome people that we'll be speaking to. Um, also, we have a yoga nidra class coming up at Empower in November. Okay. So we'll do that and just have a nice time, to just really relaxing and taking pressure off of our mental state, which a lot of people, you know, need help with. And we'll be fundraising at those so we can help more people get tr- the treatment that they need. That's really great. Yeah, yeah that's um, some upcoming events here in Milwaukee that everybody should definitely <laughs> check out. Um, and so what are some of the other initiatives that you're working on right now as far as your um, involvement in wellness for mm-hmm. women in the community in Milwaukee? Yeah. Well, I'm a writer, and I write a lot about my experience with eating disorders and anxiety and different mental health issues that I really care a lot about and that I've studied and spent a lot of my time trying to understand within myself, but also within others and understanding different energetic patterns as well as ways to heal that are sustainable and actually help you move forward to why you're on this earth as opposed to repeating the pattern over and over again. So I write about all types of that on my types of those things on my website, um, healing from anxiety, healing from trauma, whatever it is. I really just want to help people understand that there is a different way to go about it. Um, and like coming back to your real self rather than what people expect of you and the old conditioning that we're all born into and that we're all brought up with. So really breaking those patterns. I talk about that a lot. And coming up, I'm actually working on an ebook about being in your body and what it means to fully embody in your, your physical body. It's a lot of body (laughs) words, but it's kind of hard to explain, but you know, anxiety and mental illness and mental health issues manifest in your head it's kind of a can be a subset of being too wrapped up in your thoughts only thinking and being disconnected from your body and you know as women especially we practice disconnecting from our body you know we're always trying to change it we're always trying to make it look a certain way and by looking at it as an object it really turns you off from the natural rhythms that come along with this machine that is built for to do amazing things. So I'm kind of covering that and what it means to come back to this body and being in your body brings you in the present moment, which is where you can enjoy your life and really move forward in alignment with what you're supposed to do on this planet rather than going through the motions. So I'm working on that and I really want to help people understand just how nice it feels to be in your body and not be in your head. (laughs) And like, so I'm working on that on an ebook and I'm also helping with um, just more trauma and different things within um, adolescents and teenagers. I work, I'm working right now on a workshop about 
coaching and, and parenting in sports, which was kind of a really traumatic experience for me. Um, I loved playing basketball, but that kind of, I felt that that got really taken from me by the trauma and like verbal abuse that is often disguised as motivation. So I'm working a lot on that and helping people understand what's the difference between, you know, helping somebody, motivating them to play and being verbally abusive. So that's kind of my next project is talking to coaches and being like, hey, can you, can you still make this fun? Like nobody's smiling playing sports anymore mm-hmm. because it's a job and and you can inflict real wounds on people. Like a lot of athletes have really bad mental health and eating disorder issues and nobody's looking at why. You know, some people are and we're starting to talk about it more, but it comes down to the use of shame as a motivational tool. So I've been working on that a lot and hopefully we'll be able to talk about that more soon and help people understand like how important it is to really cultivate a good sense of self-worth within athletes and within children um and within 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 anyone really but by being really conscious of the words that you use so those are the things that I've been working on that are coming up again just really sticking with healing and writing and writing things that I really want to help with Mm -hmm. and I think to go kind of like a good segue into talking about uh, working with athletes and you know encouragement versus um you know, other types of, you know, words and language used. Mm-hmm. You work with a company called Wellingness. I know yes, they focus on how to communicate with children in a positive manner. Do you want to talk a little bit more yeah. about that? Yeah. So Tamara is her name. She runs Wellingness and that's her company. She's a conscious parenting coach. And that being a part of that and helping with some of the messaging and just watching this amazing company grow and being a part of it really filled in a lot of the gaps for me with my own mental health and my own struggles with self-worth and shame and all the things that contribute to a lot of the issues that we're dealing with right now in the wellness world and just in the world in general. Um, and it, and it's kind of the same premise, like not using guilt and shame as a punishment and really just setting limits and boundaries and respecting children, adolescents, whomever, the way that you would respect any other adult on this planet, you know, and understanding that the way that we talk to kids is really, really messed up. (laughs) Like it really is. It's, it's terrible. Like you wouldn't speak to another, another adult that way. Like why would you talk to a child as if they're less than and talk Mm -hmm. down to them and shame them? It's, and it's, the idea is that that is the reason for a lot of the issues that we're dealing with today. It's like a really, really big lack of self-worth across the board, which really can contribute to these types of different mental health issues that do. And we see it all the time and we're only seeing it get worse. So that's kind of the idea. And I, and I really saw it in the sports world, particularly, you know, not only with parenting and people being around, but in the sports world, it's like someone is screaming at you, talking about your body weight, telling you, you need to lose weight. And they're like, oh, you can just, you know, they'll separate it between sports and real life. It's like, kids can't do that. You know, not even kids, but adolescents, teens, even young adults, even, I mean, anybody, you can't differentiate between, oh, you're just like, you need to lose weight for basketball. You need to lose weight in general. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the same thing to a kid. So, you know, things like that. And it's just really opened my eyes to just the language that we use and how shame is, it's everywhere. It's in so much and it, and it really can negatively impact your self-worth, which can, you know, eventually lead to issues that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. And then kids being so impressionable at a young age, and if they're used to that type of you know framework of how they should communicate, I know last time we met for coffee, you gave me an example about 
um, how like if a parent would tell a child to oh say thank you now or things like that. Uh, can do you want to talk a little bit more mm-hmm. about that as an example for listeners? Yeah. Well, Tamara talks a lot about how you know you need to explain. You can't just be like because I said so like if I was sitting here you know what I mean if you just said that to another person like oh why like do this and they asked why and you said because I said so you'd be like are you are you kidding <laughs> you know yeah. and just like being really aware of that kind of those kinds of things and treating them as the the person that they are rather than seeing them as like apprentices <laughs> you know apprentice mm-hmm. humans mm-hmm. as Wayne Dyer says it's like they're not you know you have to go out of your way to explain to them and be there for them as somebody who you know, is developing. And as far as the manners thing goes, like with Welliness, she talks a lot about how instead of forcing them to say, be like, okay, say thank you, like it's time and like pushing them around, mm-hmm. you know, can you show them that? Can you show them manners and trust that they'll come into it in their own time? And then they'll actually say thank you and do these things when they want to rather than doing them because they're expected. And then you kind of take that, take the experience of real gratitude away from them as well when you force them to say thank you is a lot what Tamara talks about. Um, so it's just, you know, things like that. And I'm really interested in where that intersects um, as you get older and in different realms, like fitness, sports, whatever, like school and how that manifests in those arenas as well. Um, and also how you can take it with you into your adult life and how it can really impact your professional life, your personal life. And people aren't talking about it. So I think it's really important to kind of, go back to where it started and how it's been changing throughout the years. Are there any studies that you know of right now you could refer listeners to, to see, or has, or is it still pretty new? um, For conscious parenting, I'm not entirely sure. I'm sure that they exist, but I, from my own research with coaching, there's so many, Mm -hmm. um, with how many athletes develop eating disorders, like, because at that age, like a child's sphere of influence is so small, you know, it's sports, it's school and it's home life. And, you know, if you tell a child that or if you kind of underpin the idea that their performance is directly linked to their worth and they don't play well, you know, you severely hamper a part of their life that they consider to be kind of the foundation of their worth. Instead of telling them that they are worthy no matter what, you know, you do your best And, you know, we'll be here for you either way. Like, we love you no matter what. And obviously parents do, but that messaging is getting lost between how we want them to perform. And when you tell a child that their performance is linked to how lovable or worthy they are, that's going to manifest when, you know, you're working till 3 a.m. when you're 30 years old. You know, you're always doing as a way to prove your worth. And that is a really, really dark, dangerous cycle that I was in myself for a long time until I was like, hey, wait, I, I don't really want to live like this. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of studies that kind of chronicle that idea and that, you know, when kids get injured, you know, at that age and they, and they can't play this sport for a month or two, they develop anxiety, anorexia, bulimia, because they're so restless because they lost a huge part of this identity that they were told is who they are. So it's very interesting. There's so many studies that talk about the influx of those mental health issues amongst athletes because, you know, we've taken a lot of the fun out of it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so back to your personal experience and your background, is there a specific event or experience from your journey that kind of led you to where you are today that you'd like oh, to share? Oh, man. 
so many <laughs> like a, all there's like a hundred and two moments <laughs> um well uh, so again I struggled with an eating disorder in high school and uh, and I there's so many layers behind that but one of the big ones was that it just was an outlet for the anxiety and self-worth or lack of self-worth that I was experiencing and I had nowhere to go with it I didn't understand I had to unpack some of the old traumas and verbal abuses from sports and I didn't understand why I felt this way why I always felt out of place I always felt different and like even when I was having fun like I didn't feel happy and I just was like okay maybe this is just what life is um, you know, so I went to college, struggled with, um, anorexia and bulimia and it just was awful. I kept attracting really bad partners, really not great friends because they were treating me the way that I felt about myself, which wasn't great, you know, and I would go out of my way to be nice to all these people. But when you don't respect yourself, like how can you find people who do the same? So I really struggled with this for a long time and school was kind of my solace. I love writing. I love reading. And it always was just kind of like my safe place. And when I was in college, like I drank all the time with my friends, which, you know, is normal at that time. But it really was an outlet for me to exercise the demons that I had kept inside for, you know, 20 years. And I graduated and started working and I quickly transferred my idea of like self-worth being like how fun I am at the bar and like how great my outfit is into um, my career which isn't really that healthy either which being like if I'm only making this much money or this title then I'm worthy so coming around to that I, I moved to DC and I and I created this great life I grinded I worked so hard I was like yes like I'm finally gonna do it I'm gonna show them and I worked on the hill and then I got this great job at a big law firm on the hill as well. And, and I, and I thought it just was all external, you know, I was happy, but it just was because I had hit a box. Like I checked a box off and I got, I wasn't listening to my body. I was working out and it was less and I was eating well. I wasn't, I was over the disorder at this point. This was when I was 23. So, and I was eating well, I thought I was doing really, I was just really healthy. I was lifting and I felt good and and then one day I, I ended up in the ER at two in the morning in downtown DC by myself. I couldn't breathe because um, my lymph nodes were so swollen in my neck. And I was like, what is going on? And they tested me and, and this girl, once they took my blood and ran my vitals and everything, one of the nurses came up to me with a face mask and said, put this on, you have mono. And I was by myself alone in the middle of the night and I was like, what do you, like, what do you mean? And I mean, I had desensitized my body to the point where I didn't notice that my spleen was enlarged. <laughs> like I literally got so good at pretending that I wasn't tired. I wasn't hungry. Just really shutting off the most, again, the most intelligent part of us a lot of times is the body and its natural rhythms. And I had gotten so good at shutting it off that, you know, I landed in the ER and I, I was like oh that's why my back kind of hurt because my spleen was bump bumping against my spine oh, wow. yeah and so again it just kind of showed me it was like a big wake-up call and so I you know I got really sad I couldn't do the things I needed to do and I, I ended up having to move home because my doctor was like your stomach is so all over the place like we need you here and so that was just a really humbling experience and after building my life up after that like it costed me everything but at the same time, it was my body telling me that that life wasn't meant for me. 
so I kind of got, and I've always been into wellness, but then I started finding the more mindful piece of it. And I had been meditating and stuff, but I really went there with like the healing and I healed the old trauma. And I didn't think of it at the time, like, oh, I'm going to go back and heal my trauma. Like, that's not how I thought about it. But, you know, it started coming to me. I started taking yoga. I did different meditation classes. And suddenly I signed up for the yoga teacher training. And that changed my life. It just taught me, you know, like I can I can work out in a way that feels really, really good. It's not even a workout, but I feel so calm after. Found a way to calm my mind. And that to me is what wellness is. And it's more about calming your mind and finding a place that you don't feel like you have to struggle and you don't have to prove your worth in any facet of your life. So it's been a really long journey, a lot of ups and downs, a lot of really, really low lows, um, but with highs that I think you know, you can't experience unless you really go there with your pain. So yeah, again, long winded, but that's mm-hmm. definitely been the journey. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for being so vulnerable yeah. and sharing that. Um, so with that, what are your short, short-term and long-term goals to improve wellness in women's lives? I just want more people to understand that it's not about the things that we think it's about. Like it's not mm-hmm. about the external it's not about what people think of you it's about how you can genuinely show up in your life in a way that is so authentic and feels so good to just exist you know and so my long-term goal I really want to write more about this and and speak to people and see where they're struggling and help them undo the patterns that got them to where they are which you know doesn't have to be that bad doesn't have to be really like intense but I think a lot of people are just kind of going through the motions And I'm a big believer in energy and different vibrations that we hold. And, you know, let's say you have a wound um, from years ago and you haven't really healed it. You just kind of let time pass. That's not really healing. There's a difference between letting time pass and healing. And healing is going there, you know, going there. Like, okay, like, why? How did this come to me? And understanding that every experience that we have is attracted to us as a way to heal old stuff within us. So, you know, if you have a traumatic event from childhood or you dealt with verbal abuse and you attract partners that speak to you in ways that aren't acceptable and you continue to let it happen. And we think that these things are random and we're like, oh, well, what do you do? But the reality is like, okay, it's, it's bringing it here for you to heal. Like it's bringing it up for you to be like, okay, like how can I go back? and heal the the child, the adolescent, the 20-year-old, the 22-year-old, whatever that this happened to. Can I go talk to them like and help them and and start understanding that my worth isn't external. So that's really what I want to be able to convey in my writing and my speaking and everything. Um, so my short-term goals are just again to keep talking about that stuff and keep spreading that message that just so much more you're so much more than the things you do and what you look like. You are just are so much more and you are here to create originally from your soul rather than what people expect of you yeah and then my long term again is to have more projects and long form writing and to you know get my ebook out and help people come back to their body and really create from that authentic space and I know you were recently published in yoga journal which Mm -hmm. is amazing do you want to talk a little bit more about that article and then do you have future plans to write more for them or other publications Mm -hmm. so yoga journal that was really a lot it was kind of a condensed version of my story from dc and how yoga Mm -hmm. helped me understand that my worth is an external Mm -hmm. (laughs) and um it was an honor to write that article and to tell that story because that was kind of the first time that i'd really been honest and went there and like this is the whole thing like it was so such a humbling experience 
And yeah, I love to write more for them. And I, I think I write for a few other publications and at the moment, I really just want to have my own stuff that people can find. I write on Medium all the time, so you can find me on okay. Medium as well um, as my my website. Um, and probably doing more social media for within myself uh, or within my own account um, and helping people realize the message in different ways. What does wellness mean to you? Wellness just means having your body, your mind, your energetic, your emotional bodies all in the same place, you know, so you're not just leading with your head. You're not just beating your body. (laughs) You know, it's really listening, being able to listen and take inventory of what you're doing in your life. Um, And if that feels right to you and authentic to you and not to the version of yourself that you think is supposed to be okay with it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that, yeah, that's kind of what it means. And mind, body, soul being in the same, same good place. I'm in the same rhythm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. So what is one wellness ritual that you do daily or weekly that you'd encourage listeners to incorporate into their lives too? You could share with us as a takeaway. Meditate, 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 <laughs> meditate. Easier said than done. I struggle. <laughs> I used to. Oh my God. Meditation changed my life because that was one of the biggest tools. You know, you ha- like you think about it. We are, our minds never rest Mm -hmm. all day long Mm -hmm. there's stimuli there's this there's that even when you're sleeping you're dreaming you're you're clenching you're thinking about the day you're processing what's going on your subconscious is on overdrive Mm -hmm. there is not one point in our day where the mind can just exist and carve Mm -hmm. out space and I didn't understand that I was like why am I so anxious and sad like why because I wasn't giving my mind a break and every morning I wake up and I do I do kundalini as well, which is just like an energetic, it moves energy. So it's like a, it's a combination of like meditating mantra and movement and it cuts like energetic ties within the body. So I'll do that. uh, Maybe some breath of fire. And then I just sit, you know, cross-legged palms face down on my knees for 10 minutes, flip them up for the other 10 minutes to receive energy. Mm -hmm. And I just carve out that space. And, you know, meditating intimidates people because they think that it's about having no thoughts. You know how many thoughts I have when I'm meditating? <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but it's just about practicing, you know, if you can just focus on like your breath for a little bit, your consciousness wavers a little bit and then you bring it back. It's just about carving that space mm-hmm. and being present in your body. That's a big part of being in your body too. That again, we're just de- disconnecting from the most fundamental basic part that we need to be connected to in order to live out our purpose and to feel really fulfilled within our daily lives. So yes, again, please take up a meditation practice. Like please do it for you, for your friends, for your family, for the, for our future generations. Like just make that time, make the space mm-hmm. connect. I know there are several apps out there you can use to assist with meditation. Do you use any of those or any books you'd recommend for people interested in just giving it a try? Oh yeah. Um, I don't really do that many apps. I just kind of looked at Inside Timer the other day because okay. I do – mainly just do I don't do um guided meditations too often Mm -hmm. I know they can be helpful when you're starting out because they kind of can keep your consciousness you know moving towards the the right direction or focal point that they want you to but um inside timer is a good one also yoga nidra is wonderful yoga nidra it's not movement it's just a meditation Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just a meditation in shavasana pose so it's a more feminine version of Meditating, not feminine and gendered in any way, but mm-hmm. feminine energy, okay. which we all need and all have. 
And a lot of times that's really out of balance. So when you do a yoga nidra, and it's in Shavasana, meaning you're laying on your back, right? You're laying the on your back, position. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> for the listeners that may yeah. not know. <laughs> okay. And the palms are facing mm-hmm. up. And it's about reprogramming your nervous system. Mm-hmm. Because when you have trauma, you have old patterns. And all of us have old patterns. Your nervous system stores them. And that's what drives you today. So, And a lot of us are walking around with really, really weak nervous systems. Mm-hmm. From phone use and driving a car all day and being stressed. Your nerves are fried constantly. Dumping coffee on it you know caffeine which sucks but (laughs) but you know our nervous systems are fried is the Mm -hmm. bottom line and that holds our ability to connect and to relax so when you do a yoga nidra you can relax and receive energy and reprogram your neural pathways from stress back to you know being in the parasympathetic nervous system where you can relax digest and just be more fluid um, as far as books, the universe has your back by Gabby Bernstein changed my life. It's what introduced me to the spiritual kind of path and the meditative kind of path. And it's not intimidating. It's not anything that it's going to push anything on you, but it will help you be more mindful and not mindful in the way that we think about it now. Like, Oh, like feel your hands, which, you know, has merit obviously, and helps a lot of people, but just be more conscious of what you came here to do and who you really are. And I would recommend that book to anybody who's starting off on a spiritual journey or a meditation journey. She has a lot of really good resources in the book too. They're like guided meditations. There's only one that's like four minutes and you just kind of okay. surrender. It's a really good one. Um, also, um, Light is the New Black by Rebecca Campbell is a really good one. And the, one of the best meditation books I've ever read that cha- also changed my life was Wherever You Go, There You Are by John Kabat-Zinn. And he created, yeah, it's a a very famous one for a reason. And the mindful-based stress relief is his practice. And I'm taking a course on that right now. But that book really, really changed my life and really taught me how to be in the moment, to trust and to just flow with what my soul knew rather than my ego, trying to, you know, hit different titles and prove my worth. And that book really showed me how to come back and there's no real spiritual tie with that one because it's more about just being present, but it'll, it'll affect you in the way that, you know, that resonates with you. Perfect. Um, well, thank you. A lot of recommendations there. (laughs) Always. I want to get them all. (laughs) Um, so here for the fun question. So what is your personal mantra or maybe a theme song (laughs) that gets you into your good state of mind to start your day or kind of redirect your mindset to a good place? Right. Um, I think that there is merit in feeling the uncomfortable, you know, so I don't, I don't like the whole, like, I'm going to stop this like that, you know, there's ways to feel it that are healthy and to move through them. But when I am finding myself really, you know, just having a rough time and want to shift out of that energy, that headspace, I'll either like start by like thinking of really, really small things that I'm grateful for. Like, I can't take credit for this, but Manifestation Babe, um, Catherine, she does that. And she says, you know, thank, thank you for my fingernails. Like, find one thing that you can be gr- Like, I'm glad mm-hmm. that I have a hand, you know? Mm, yeah. Like, very, very basic things. And then you can make your way up and get into, like, wow, like, I have all this opportunity in my life, this abundance. Like, you know, it just really helps shift your energy. And then for a mantra, um, I picked this up from Wayne Dyer recently. And um, it's, I come from greatness. I attract greatness. I am greatness and that one really changed a lot for me because it's so easy to get down on yourself especially when you're healing and moving through old patterns so 
it's not anything about the ego, but it's just being like, hey, I can do this. I was born for this. I, I chose this life and I'm really happy to be living it. So I really like that quote. That's yeah, it's great. a good one. <laughs> and one more time, who was it? Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer. The okay. Wayne Dyer. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you gratitude journal at all or, or is it more just like a mental thing you just say to yourself in practice? After I meditate, a lot of the days I really, really try to, to I say thank you after I meditate. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I'm here. Thank you for all these experiences that I've had that have led me on this journey, like the good and the bad. Uh, I don't, I used to gratitude journal when I was a child, actually, all the time. But Before it became a thing. You're right, exactly. <laughs> I learned it in church. Out of your time. <laughs> and um, yeah, I try to have like at least a list of like the really good things. You know, sometimes I worked with a few um, embodiment coaches and things like that who had me list out things I was grateful for and revisit it when I could. And And now it's just become a part of my daily thing it's like hey thank you like thank you thank you for everything in my life you know even as simple as that like I'll be driving in my car and I'm like hey thanks like whatever it is thank you Mm -hmm. even the bad you know you have to say thank you because it's coming up to help you in some way Mm -hmm. I love that that's Mm -hmm. great so again um yeah thank you for sharing all of your information I'm very grateful to know you and um, thank you again for being vulnerable and yeah. sharing your story with everybody. Mm-hmm. So how can listeners reach you if they want to read some of your work or maybe email you, contact you? What would you like to share? Yeah, my website is pagepitchler.com. There's no mm-hmm. T in Pitchler. Just C-H-L-E-R. Yep. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm on Instagram, page or pitch with two R's. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm doing it. And my email is on my website. Um, it's also on my Instagram. So yeah, my Instagram is a good spot. Um, and the website is one of the main ones. So yeah. Perfect. Well, we look forward to following you on your journey, learning more, maybe yeah. reading more articles in Yoga Journal or other publications. Definitely. <laughs> Hopefully the ebook. <laughs> yeah, your ebook too. Very yeah. looking forward to that. So thank you again so much for joining today. Yeah, thanks so much, Steph. This was awesome. I look into your eyes.